Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So this morning, we are going to be bringing this series that we've been going through uh, for the last couple of weeks, we're going to be bringing it to a close. Um, and I honestly had intended it for it to go a little bit longer, but my trees are dying. <laughs> we bought real trees in October, and the trees are doing what trees do, which is losing their leaves. So our tree of life is looking a little bit sad right now. So um, we've had to go the artificial route over here for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But um, there are some very specific things that I want to cover here today. And just a little bit of a recap for those of you who may not have been here. We started off this series by looking at the account of creation found in Genesis chapter 1. And one of the very interesting and impactful things that we found was that when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke everything into existence, and when he did, he gave very distinct and very um, good separation between various different things. We see that he created the day and the night. He separated the light and the darkness. He separated that which was greater from that which was lesser, that which was above from that which was beneath. And in doing so, he was showing us as humanity that we have the ability to choose between one thing and another. That we have the ability and we've actually been empowered to choose. And that was one of the three principles that we talked about. That number one, in our lives, no matter what we're going through, no matter where we find ourselves, we all have a choice. God has created us with free will and the ability to choose. But we have to choose wisely because number two is there is a right choice. There is two options always, but there is a right choice and there is a wrong choice. But number three, and this is really important for us all to hear today, is that we have been empowered to choose. Not just is there a choice, not just is there a right choice, but we have been given the ability to choose right from wrong. And when we look at the account of creation, we find that God creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in the garden along with many trees, but there are two trees in particular that he specifically speaks to. He, ha he says that we have the tree of life, which is represented by this tree, and we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you have a choice to make here. There's a choice that Adam and Eve have while they're in the garden. But as we know, they make the wrong choice. It says that Adam and Eve come to the tree and Eve specifically speaks to the serpent. He deceives her and she looks at the fruit of the tree and she saw that it was appealing. She saw that there was something about it that, that drew her to it. And she ate from the apple, the, from the tree, whatever the fruit was. She gave it to her husband, Adam. And at that point, at that moment... They attached themselves to a source that was lesser than the source that was greater. They attached themselves to a source that was inadequate and unable to ever produce anything but inadequacy and death. And what we have to see here today as the body of Christ is that we have been given a choice as well. That we have been given many choices in our own lives. A choice to choose life and a choice to choose death. An ability to choose that which is greater, an ability to choose that which is lesser. But in our choice, what we often find is that we have made the wrong choice. We often find that when we look at our lives, that there are problems that are present, things in our life that did not go the way that we thought that they would, expectations that we've had that were unmet. Has anyone else ever felt that ever before in your life? 
Many of us have. And sometimes it's easier than others to spot the problems in our life than it is to recognize the solutions. And sometimes the problems are very big. And and I think maybe husbands, you can help me out with this here today. Sometimes our wives are very good at showing us what the problems are. And we can say, yes, I agree that is a problem, but we don't always have a solution for it. We're looking for the solution. We have one brave amen in here today. We're looking for the solution, but we don't always find it. So it's easier to find the problem. And sometimes the best we can do is say, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this thing that I did. I'm sorry that I once again did this thing. But if you're anything like me, you've probably heard this once or twice in your life. This started when I was a kid. Well, if you were really sorry, then you would do something about it. My sister is a very wise woman now and she was even when we were kids say abby i'm sorry i'm sorry and she's like yeah well if you were sorry you wouldn't do it again and you keep doing it again and again and again and this wasn't the last time that i would hear this in my life like it's one thing to recognize there is a problem and it's something else entirely to then do something about it to go for the solution to find out what we have to do in order to change the outcome of the situations that we find ourselves in When Adam and Eve, when they went to the tree, they ate from the fruit, and very quickly they realized that they had a problem. Very quickly they realized that there was something about the situation that was broken, and it wasn't that they saw that the situation was broken, they they also didn't have the right solution, and because of that, it compounded and reproduced more of the same. And what I would ask that we could do today is to look at this account, to look at this story of Adam and Eve, and to recognize the places in our own lives where we have made the decision, we have recognized the problem, but instead of going to the source of life, instead of going to the place where there actually is forgiveness and hope and redemption, we have continued in the places where we're reproducing more of the same time and time again. Genesis chapter 3 verses 6 through 10, it tells us that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Right away, Adam and Eve, they make this decision and it says immediately their eyes are opened. They're able to see that they have a problem. They're able to recognize that something about what they just did, even though the serpent had said one thing and the fruit looked to be offering one thing, the moment that they ate from that fruit, their eyes were opened and they felt shame. Shame entered in at that moment. And when shame entered in, well, immediately they felt there was something they had to do to hide themselves. And it says that they separated themselves from the presence of God, which as we saw last week is also the face of God, they separated themselves away and they covered themselves over. This is what shame will always do in our lives. It's the recognition that there is a problem, but there's no hope for a solution. 
It's a recognition that I have done wrong, but instead of going to the answer, it causes us to conceal and try to hide so that we're not exposed for the thing that we've just done. Now, when I look at this story, there's a lot of things that stand out, but I do have a very simple question here today. Why were they ashamed that they were naked? The population of the earth at that point was two. They had already been with one another. They had already seen each other naked. Now I know that apparently some of the animals were talking. I don't know if it was just the serpent. That could have made things a little bit awkward, I guess. But there wasn't any real like reason for them to feel ashamed on the outside. And so what I want to point to is that shame was not an external reality. It was an internal reality. It was something that at the moment that they disobeyed God, that they felt the brokenness for the decision that they had just made, and they instantly felt exposed. They felt that something was wrong. They realized that there was a problem, but the problem that they walked into is that they tried to fix it on the outside. How many times do we try to do the same thing? We make a decision or a series of decisions. We feel, we recognize that there's something wrong. We feel the shame, but instead of going to the root of the problem, we try to find the best looking fig leaves that we can possibly find. Whatever the designer fig leaves are, the Gucci fig leaves, we're like, hey, what's the best that you've got to offer? I'm going to cover this over on the outside so you can't see what's really going on on the inside. And those fig leaves can look like a lot of different things. They can look like the nice cars and they can look like the the best of the best of whatever the clothing is. They can look like humor. They can look like anger. Whatever it is that we're trying to cover ourselves over with, it's always in an effort to cover what's really going on inside. But if we remember, going back to the beginning of this, we have a choice that we are called to make. We have a choice in those moments. We have a choice when we experience the brokenness and the pain and the hurt of the past. And the question is, what is it that we will choose? What is the decision that we are making? Because very often we see the problem on full display. We see the results of the mistakes. We see the byproduct of the shame. We see that there is very often the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of fear, the feelings of doubt, the places where we question ourselves and the places where we question God himself. These are all the results of shame. And what we will always try to do is to hide those things and to cover them over. And often it looks like things like, I said, anger. Like, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, that was always my go-to. Like, I feel something, uh, something is broken, something's not right, and so I'm going to respond in anger because that's my protection. You may have a different one here today. It might be that you go into self-deprecation or you go in disconnection or you try to hide yourself away. But this is always going to be a byproduct of the shame that you feel. And it's always going to create more of the same. Like, when we're eating from this tree that is giving us the identity that you are broken, there is only going to be more of the fruit of this tree being produced, which is more shame, which is anxiety and it's fear and it's, it's disconnection and it's all these things that then cause us to try to distract ourselves away from the pain that we're feeling. They're the things that drive us to self-medicate They're the things that drive us to substances or people or whatever it is that we can get our hands on 
to get us to stop thinking about what's really going on inside. But what I want us to see here today is beyond just recognizing that there is a problem, there is a problem because we have connected ourselves to the wrong source. And in doing so, very often we get to the place where we feel stuck. We feel like we are chained to this decision, that the, the more that we go forward and try to fix it, the more that we find ourselves back in this place of experiencing the same things over and over and over again. Unfortunately, what happens very often then is that we actually get familiar with the dysfunction. We get familiar with these feelings. We get familiar with the places of pain and, and hurt and disconnection. And so, yes, we realize there's a problem, but we don't do the next step, which is to find out what's really going on at the, the root of the situation. We start to look at the situation and we start to examine what it might be. And, and so maybe it looks like this. We, we take the fruit from the tree and we start to examine it. We say, well, it looks, looks pretty good on the outside. It's shiny. We've done a good job of trying to make it look really good for everyone else around us. But we know what we feel on the inside. We know the emotions that we're going through. And so we look at the situations, but how often do we take the time then to actually look at what's within? How often do we take the time to examine the situations in our life and find out what the source actually is. Is it the tree of life? Or is it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Now I would say very often we don't take the time to open it up and to find out what's inside. Because it's uncomfortable. We've worked really hard at this image, haven't we? We've done our best to, to put the best foot forward and the best face for everyone to see. Why would I take the time to now look at what's within? I'm going to mess it all up. And number two, well, who knows that it might be a little bit painful. It might be a little painful to take the time to go into the places the, that we've constructed in our life and, and the places where we have made excuses and, and we've come up with the ideas of why things are the way that they are because we've been eating off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what happens when we take the fruit of our life, the places that we've seen the hurt, the pain, and the brokenness, and we actually take the time to look at it, not for what's on the outside, but we cut it open to see what's on the inside. You see, when we cut open the fruit of our lives, what we will always notice is that there is a seed. There's a seed present. And the question becomes, where is the seed coming from? We see the fruit very easily, but when we open it up, we see that there is a source within it that is reproducing more of the same. And so we have to ask our question in that situation, where did this seed come from? When God spoke the world into existence and he spoke about the trees, he said, let them produce more according to their own kind, according to the seed that's within them. Have you taken the time to ask what's the seed that's at the center of the situation that you found yourself in? Have you taken the time to look within to ask, where did this come from? 
And if this goes on neglected and unseen and it goes back in, what is going to be produced tomorrow and the next day and the next day? In our families, when we've seen the same things happen again and again and again, generation after generation after generation, have we taken the time to examine what's at the root and the seed that is producing the same thing again and again and again? Very often we don't. But the seed is very important. It's very important that we don't just recognize that there is a problem because that just leads to more shame and more condemnation, but to find out what's really going on at the root of it. We need to find out what's really going on behind the behavior, behind the brokenness. And when I look through this creation story, what I see is actually the answer is present from the very beginning. The question is, how do we disconnect from the old in order to embrace what is new? How do we, once we find this seed and we recognize that it's not from God, but it's from our own self-righteousness and self-effort, how do we do something different about it? Well, I'm glad that you asked this morning. There's a verse that we've read a few times in this series, and it's found in Genesis chapter 1. And when I was reading through this, this account, it actually stood out to me in a different way than it had before. Maybe it has for you as well, but it's Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. It says, And God said, Behold, I have given you, and he's speaking to mankind, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Who did God give the trees to the vegetation the plants who did he give it to he gave it to man he gave it to adam and he gave it to eve sometimes we look at this story of creation and of the fall and we look at it as if god just released adam and eve into this cosmic playground and kind of just said hey run around and have fun like go and check everything out i've put some animals over there you can hang out with them that's cool I've given you some some trees to eat the fruit of and and just go and and, and have a good time. You have no responsibility in this. But when I read this verse, I see very clearly that God gave every tree and its fruit to Adam and Eve. Which means to me that he didn't just release them into the Garden of Eden and say, okay, it's all yours, but there's this area over here that's like employees only, staff only. Don't go near this tree or that tree. Like, that's not for you. Those are my trees, and the rest of the trees are your trees. God said, I have given every tree to you. Every is the Hebrew word kol, K-O-L, which means the whole and all. Which to me is very significant because it means that God didn't just give every tree in the garden to Adam and Eve, except for the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil. He gave those trees to them as well. And he placed them under their dominion, under their authority. We know that God put the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden so that they would have a choice and that their free will could be exercised. But what I want to tell you today is that God did not put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden as a trap. He didn't put it there expecting them to fail. 
They weren't taking bets in heaven, the angels and whoever else was up there, like, I wonder what day they're going to mess up. Like, we look at this situation as being inevitable. They were eventually going to screw up. But God gave those trees to them. Now, if God is the perfect and the loving Father, is God going to give you something knowing that you're going to mess up your life with it? But he did place the two trees in the garden. Which says to me that not only did he place them there, but he knew that when he created man, he was giving him everything he needed to choose life over death. He actually trusted him to choose life over death. He didn't put them there waiting for them to fail. God wasn't insecure about who he made them to be. He knew that he empowered them. And I want to ask you this question today. Do you know that God has empowered you? Do you know that God has entrusted you? Do you know that God, your father, is not waiting for you to fail? He... He's not sitting there in heaven like, I wonder how they're going to screw up today. But sometimes it's kind of how we feel. When we're connected to that tree and we are bearing fruit that comes from that tree, very often we think that failure is just another day. Do we know how God sees us though? Do we know that if God gave us the choice, that he has given us the power and the authority to choose life. This is really so very important because sometimes we don't have any faith in ourselves, but I have to tell you that God has faith in you. You see, God could have placed them in this holy bubble in the garden and made sure they never made a mistake. He could have made sure that there was no chance for failure, but instead he actually gave them the opportunity to choose life, knowing that there was an opportunity also to choose death. This is part of being a good parent though, isn't it? Like as a parent, you don't put your kids in a place where you know they're going to get hurt, but there are times where you recognize the place of maturity that they've come to or, or how they've grown and, and you allow them to go into a place where there is a point where they could get hurt, right? Because you know that they have the ability to not get hurt and you can't keep them in a bubble and you can't keep them protected always. So you allow them to go out and to make decisions. Yesterday we were at uh, Bounce, the place with all the trampolines and I took my son Caleb there and a friend of ours, we took our kids there and he got to this one point Remember this, bud? He got to this one point and he's looking down and he's looking down at this area and it was pretty high. And he's like, dad, I don't want to jump. He's like, I don't, I don't think this is good. Like I jumped one time and I hurt my leg and I'm like, bud, it's okay. You can jump here. It's safe. You just have to bend your knees. Now, was there a chance that he could still get hurt when he made that jump? Yes. But I told him what he needed to do. He listened. He did it. And guess what? He loved it. And he kept going on it again and again and again. There was an opportunity to get hurt though. How could I let him do that? 
How could God put things in our life where there's an opportunity to make the wrong choice if he loves us? It's because he's empowered us to choose. He's given us what we need. He's declared that through the cross and through the blood of Jesus, I trust you to be my reflection to all of mankind. I I trust you to make the right choice. I trust you to choose. And even when you don't trust yourself, we have the ability to trust the God that is now inside of us to empower us to make the right decisions that we might never be able to make on our own. But by his spirit, we now have been empowered. Do you know that there are things present in your life that you have allowed to stop you from moving forward because they've stripped you of your confidence? Do you know that there are things in your life, situations that you've gone through that you have allowed to motivate you to drive you and to dictate your choices. There are situations in your life that you have come into agreement with. There are feelings that you have connected to as if you did not have a choice, thinking that the outcome was going to be inevitable. But I want to suggest to you today that there are things that God has actually placed in your life. You would look at them and say, my life would be so perfect if I didn't have this thing. And God's saying, I put it there in your life so that you can learn to trust on me like you never have before. I'm not going to suggest that every problem in your life is something that God has placed there. Who knows, we're pretty good at making problems all on our own sometimes. However... God still has the ability to use every one of those situations as well. And so maybe, just maybe, instead of running away from the problems and trying to fix them all and trying to make them as pretty as we can on the outside, we would recognize the opportunity that's available to us in the midst of it to choose life instead of death. Maybe, just maybe, we would recognize that we have been empowered and equipped and entrusted to do something in the midst of the situations that seem really hard. The ones that are really challenging. The ones that the enemy would love to use to accuse us, to break us down, to tell us that you're never going to be enough, that you're never going to accomplish anything, that you're never going to be the person that God made you to be. What if God is using those exact situations to show us more about who he really is? Too often, though, we see ourselves as the victims of those situations. So often we see ourselves as being powerless. And we think that, once again, that I am my feelings, I am my emotions, and that the outcome of the situation is inevitable. That's what the culture in our world would like to show us and tell us. You have to chase the things that make you feel good. Those are the things that are going to bring happiness. Those are the things that are going to make you feel better on the inside. And there's this idea that repressing any of these feelings actually is denying us the right to be who we really are. Sometimes we have these feelings, emotions, attractions. We have these places where we're drawn to certain things. 
and we think to ourselves, well, I must just be broken. But once again, God put things in the garden. He put two trees with the ability to choose for Adam and Eve, and he gave them the ability and the authority to say no to those things by saying yes to him. Which to me means instead of embracing the places that are broken, instead of embracing the flaws, instead of embracing the things that that our culture would tell you to embrace, what if you realize that you are not subject to your worst moment or to your biggest failings? What if we understood that we are not our feelings, that we are not our attractions, that we are not our questions, that we are not our doubts, that we are not the byproduct of the pain that we've experienced in our lives, that we are not the result of our failure, that we are, through the blood of Jesus, the man or the woman that God has designed us to be with the ability to choose life in every situation instead of succumbing to the feelings and the emotions that would like to lie to us to tell us that there's something better on the other side. There are many today that might be in this room or watching online where the enemy has tried to condemn you. He's brought the voice of accusation telling you that you are broken, that you're not good enough, that you're guilty, that maybe you're dirty, and and there's just something about who you are that's never going to match up. And you have allowed condemnation to come in and to believe that and to agree with that. The thing that we have to understand first and foremost here today is that we've been given the grace of God. See, the amazing thing about the grace of God is it gives us the ability and the empowerment to choose differently. But it's also this gift that has been given to us that we have to turn within. That we have to understand that we have been given grace by God and that we have the ability and we actually are required to to choose to forgive ourselves for the places that there has been brokenness, to be able to love ourselves, to be able to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And instead of allowing the voice of the accuser and and the enemy to put us in a place of condemnation, to realize that I am a human, I have made mistakes, I have had failings, but by the blood of Jesus I have been forgiven and I need to choose to forgive myself as well. When I hold unforgiveness or judgment against myself, which tree am I eating from? What's, what's the seed? If I choose to hold myself in a place of punishment, whether I know it or I don't, what tree am I eating off of? And what is being produced? What is being reproduced? What can come out of my life when all I know is that I'm broken and damaged and God can never do with anything with me? But what if we were to disconnect from that source? To realize that we're not stuck. We're not chained to that bad decision. We're not chained to what I used to be. We're not not defined by the things inside of me that I'm ashamed of, but that I have been given the ability to choose. That I've been empowered to choose life and that more abundantly. So many times the enemy wants to continue to say, did God really say? But he says, did God really say that you're forgiven? Did God really say that you've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus? So many times, though, we don't believe 
the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we do go back to that place and we go into the place of condemnation. I do believe that in this room there are those, and I'm sure watching online, that have felt feelings and you've asked the question, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel these things? Why am I experiencing these things? Can I tell you today that the answer to that question might be very complex, but I do know something about it. That regardless of how those things got there, that he's given you authority over them. I, and it's not as, it's not as, I'm not saying here, just do something different, just do better. But I want you to recognize here today that at the core and at the, the source of the things that you've been feeling and you've been experiencing, there is a revelation of where you have been connected to and that God has given you the ability to do something different. But first you have to recognize that this is not who you are anymore. I want to make sure we're all just, just listening just for one second. Can you just say, I am not who I used to be. I have been bought with a price. We have to realize this. Because as often as we go back to the, think, the thinking that I'm broken and the thinking that I'm not good enough and the thinking that I'm inadequate and the thinking that well, for whatever reason the blood of Jesus doesn't apply to me, I will continue looking at this tree instead of, instead of recognizing what's really going on and going to the love of a Savior who took the full weight of all the shame and the brokenness upon his back to give me freedom. He's given you authority in your situation. So the question this morning is how do we disconnect from the lie in order to embrace the truth? When we see that the seed is from the wrong source, how do we choose to disconnect from it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 21 spells some of this out for us. It says, For as by a man came death, speaking of Adam, Uh, Through the man came death. In the beginning of verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, we know the wages of sin is death. So Adam brought this into the world. This is the genealogy that we were walking in. This was our inheritance. But then it says, For by a man, Jesus, has come also the resurrection of the dead. And so also in Christ shall all be made Alive, which means that there was an old heritage. There was an old uh, thing that we received from our forefathers and our parents going all the way back to Adam and Eve. That's what used to be. But now, through the blood of Jesus, there is a new life. That there is a new reality that I now walk into. That Christ brought a new seed. And even for Christ to even come to this earth, we know that he was not born of the seed of man. Jesus was not born of the seed of Joseph, but there was a new seed that God introduced into the earth as the Holy Spirit brought life into Mary and Jesus was formed, that he was creating a new lineage, that all that used to be no longer has power in our lives because there is a new life that we now have in Jesus, the life that I now live. Who, who is the source of it now? It's Jesus. The curse of what was has been broken. We have to recognize this because so often we realize there's a problem, but then we feel like we're powerless to do anything about it. But that's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. 
Paul says, I pray that you will know how great his power is for those who have put their trust in him. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This same power put Christ at God's right hand in heaven. God planted a new seed in humanity. A new seed. He, he opened up earth. He put the seed in. And what came out of it was a tree of righteousness. It was a tree of life. It was something that was produced for all mankind to be able to come to and to eat from. Saying, that way didn't work. That way's broken. That way brought me into a place of condemnation and shame and judgment time and time again. I'm going to choose differently because God has given me authority over the trees in the garden. They're not just there. I have authority over them. But we have to understand this in order to do it, in order to step into that place of realizing the gift that we have been given through Jesus Christ. 